broadcasting under the night sky from the edge of an undisclosed jungle on the Gulf of Mexico. I'm Christopher Garitano, your voice in the night. For the next hour, allow me to be your guide into the bizarre unknown, the fantastic macabre, and together we'll journey to that borderland between fiction and reality, a place beyond all rational explanation. We are now off to the witch. You are a bold and courageous person, afraid of nothing. High on a hilltop near your home, there stands a dilapidated old mansion. Some say the place is haunted, but you don't believe in such myths. One dark and stormy night, a light appears in the topmost window in the tower of the old house. You decide to investigate, and you never return. That was from a record that I listened to every Halloween night when I was a child. The chilling, thrilling sounds of the haunted house, originally published by Disneyland Records in 1964 and still in print to this day, was for me an October 31st tradition. As I sifted through my pillowcase full of trick-or-treat candy, I imagined each spectral yarn, phantasmic soundscape and anecdote. My eyes were possessed by the album cover, bordered in jack-o'-lantern orange, with a beautifully rendered illustration in deep blue and black contrast of an ominous mansion behind an old, overgrown cemetery. Shrouded in shadows on a stormy night, only glazed by an occasional lightning blast with the exception of one lonely window in the highest tower, burning like a glowing ember. One night, as you lie in your lonely room in the stone hut on the moors, you are awakened by a sound in the distance. I'd first spin the record on both sides several times, then I would settle down to watch a few horror movies. Ghost stories were always the best on Halloween. It was fiction that opened my mind to the possibilities that a house could be inhabited by entities and apparitions from beyond the grave. And the thought that it could be real grew strongest in my mind when I was alone, when the lights went out and the rest of my family was in dreamland. That cold October breeze faintly howling against my bedroom window a head full of monster movies and tales of specters both intrigued me and sent a cold chill down my spine. Tonight, we leave the lab and record our episode from an authentic haunted mansion. Its longtime caretaker is our special guest. So grab an apple cider, a slice of pumpkin pie, or an October ale, and enjoy this night of authentic ghost stories from the place where the dead not only speak, but roam its rooms and hallways. I'll return after this commercial break. After these messages, we'll be right back. They were resting in peace until they were rudely interrupted. What do you want to do, Scuzz? Put on the gravestone? It's our party! This place is a mess. Now look who's awake. They're on the way. Oh. 
break. They're back from the grave and ready to party. I, I think things are getting out of here. The Return of the Living Dead. Rated R. Welcome back to Off to the Witch. I'm your host, Christopher Garitano, and tonight's guest, Bonnie Letourneau, is a caretaker and curator of a notoriously haunted mansion, the May Stringer House. I've spent many months documenting the stories and people who both work and investigate within the walls of this incredible piece of history for a chapter in my forthcoming docuseries, Off to the Witch Presents. And tonight, we enter the May Stringer Mansion together so here's my interview with Bonnie Letourneau. Okay, I was born in Burlington, Vermont, and I spent the first 40 years of my life there until I moved to Florida. I've been in Florida since 1992, and I started volunteering here at the May Stringer House in 2001. It's so amazing that we're, you know, like I, I usually record my podcast from 
the studio or my office actually, and uh, people are remote. So this is the first time I've I've actually recorded the podcast face to face with somebody, and um, and not only that, it's our Halloween special, and we're in a haunted house, which is the coolest thing. It couldn't get any better than that, Chris. <laughs> so when it, w tell me about the first time you came to the May Stringer house. I came to the May Stringer on a Saturday afternoon. Um, there were no ghost tours back then. This was you know strictly historic day tours. Mm -hmm. And my mother was down from Vermont visiting, and to, just for something to do, I said, well, let's, let's go to the May Stringer house and go on a tour. And we did. And at least about halfway through the tour, the house just grabbed me, and that was it. I knew this is where I was supposed to be. And so at the end of the tour, I joined the Museum Association, the nonprofit all-volunteer group that runs the May Stringer. And one week later, I started doing day tours. And it was about a year after that that we were approached, the Museum Association was approached by an investigative group out of Fort Lauderdale. But before you ran into them, what was it about the house that grabbed you? Three weeks after I started here, um, it was a Saturday afternoon, and uh, it was closing time, so I sent my nine-year-old daughter upstairs to turn out the lights. And I could hear her sneakers going from room to room, but I heard a second set of footsteps, and these were little shoes going pat, pat, pat. And pretty soon my daughter's sneakers were going a little faster, and the little shoes were going a little faster. And my daughter came flying down the front staircase and looked at me and said, Mama, don't ever make me go anywhere in this house by myself again. Okay, the second set of shoes. So there was absolutely nobody in this house. Right, it was just my daughter and me. For sure, for absolutely. certain. Absolutely. And I, my daughter said that to me, and I said, um, I heard, I heard footsteps. She goes, never mind that, Mama. There's a little girl on the second floor, and she was grabbing the back of my leg. And that was it. My daughter came because she had to, <laughs> because she was nine. But believe me, as soon as she didn't have to come here anymore, she doesn't come. <laughs> okay, so we've seen scenes like this and read ghost stories throughout the ages. Um, but when you're actually, because I've had a, an experience, can you describe what it's like to truly be in that situation, to be here by, well, with your daughter, just you and your daughter in this big old house? And were they and were they the footsteps of a little girl? Or yes, were they, okay. it was a child, wow. and she was scampering around on the second floor, and my daughter could actually see her. Um, I don't see spirit; I just feel them, hear them, smell them, talk to them. And what was the feeling that you had? Was it a feeling of sadness? Was it? Um... No, uh, that one was. I was very surprised. <laughs> I had no idea until that moment that there was more going on in the May Stringer house than just a little history. That's amazing. So that was your very first experience right. with the little girl. And it continued from there. And you signed on to be a, a caretaker after that or a tour guide? Uh, yeah, I'm a member of the Museum Association and I was a volunteer docent tour guide. Um, I also worked at all the major events. We do fundraisers to, because we're nonprofit, we have to continually raise the money to keep the doors open. And so I volunteered at those events. And it was at one event that we were approached to um, have an investigation here. And what year was 
Uh, it was about 2002. Okay, so before 2002 though, there were people that had experiences here. Oh yes, absolutely. The, the house was rescued from demolition. It, it was condemned in 1979. And once the museum association was formed and purchased the property, re, uh, restoration began. And it was, the house was in very bad shape. The plaster was off the walls, the porches had fallen off the building. It was, it was an extensive restoration. Well, volunteers, certain volunteers <laughs> would not come here unless other volunteers were gonna be here because they had already had experiences while they were doing res restoration work. Had you heard any of their stories before you heard the little girl? No. I knew nothing about this, nothing whatsoever. And it, ghost hunting wasn't popular then. There was no ghost hunters on TV. So having that first experience was like, okay, maybe I can explain this away. But shortly after that, I had the next experience and it continued. And just before we go there, when you were younger, when you were a girl, had you had any um, psychic experiences, paranormal experiences? Um, I was super afraid of the dark as a young child, and I was convinced that there were shadow people in my room, and I, I had to sleep with the light on or the shadow people would come. That's my earliest recollection. I was maybe four. Yeah, I wonder, you know, children seem to attract a lot of well, they have no shields. Sure. They're wide open. So if, if there's a monster under your bed or in the closet, there really is. And they can see it. It's, it's the grown-ups that have all of the shields. And, and, and they've been taught over the years not to believe that reality, especially your first encounter. After that, you get used to it. Um, I can sit here for hours when the museum is open and I can see Dr. Stringer going back and forth from his office to the dining room, which is what he did all his life because he practiced here and the family was on this side and he'd go back and forth between patients. And it's, it upsets other people to see it, but to me, it's part of the fabric of this house. You know, he's here. Can you tell, all right, so being that this is an audible experience, my podcast, they mm -hmm. can't see anything. They don't see any images of the house. Can you describe the house to me and then a little bit about its history as to who lived here and who died here? Well, the um, first owner, first builder, was John May in 1856. He had purchased the land, started a plantation, and he needed a house for his little family to live in. He had a wife and two babies. So he built the first four rooms of the house. And he passed away from tuberculosis a while, just, just after that. His wife remarried, um, she had more children, and Dr. Stringer ended up purchasing the house in about 1880, and he began to add on. And he kept adding rooms on. He added his office you know, for his medical practice, and he added more bedrooms, and so on and so on. And the house ended up, by 1890, it was a 14-room house. So that's quite a difference. Um, and it's how many levels? It's three stories plus a tower that goes up four stories. And originally this house was on how many acres? Um, 
there were tracts of land that were deeded to settlers way back in the 1840s, and it was 160 acres per tract. So this was, so it's very different now, uh, even though this feels frozen in time, this property and the house itself, surrounding it, we can see modern things. You know, we can see oh, stores, yeah. we can see gas stations. All of uptown Brooksville belonged to the May family at one time. So way back then, this was property. This was fields, forest. Yeah. It didn't exist. It was a plantation. Oh, it was mm -hmm. a plantation. Okay. Yeah. So to get back in that headspace and then come here and learn about the history. Um, and the, f the family was here for generations. The May family, um, after John died, Marina remarried and she died uh, right after she delivered her second baby. Um, then the house was sold out of the family. Uh, to the Stringers. The Stringers lived here from about 1880 until the 1950. Mm -hmm. So they were the longest. And it was two generations of Stringers that lived Did here. Did everybody die here? Not all of them, no. Yeah, but some of them. Some did, yeah. They died in the house. Now, uh, Marina May's second husband remarried and built another house here in Brooksville and moved there and lived there till he died. So he didn't die in the house. And after, after this Mrs. Stringer and, and Dr. Stringer Sr. died, I'm not sure how many others. Now, this particular room we're in right now, isn't this where, after someone died, the body would be laid out? Oh, yeah. Funerals were held here for John May way back. He was about 1858. I think he passed away in that area. Um, his wife, Morena, her name was Saxon by then, and uh, she, her funeral was here. Uh, baby boy Saxon, who only lived five weeks, and Jesse May. And all four of them are buried somewhere near the house here, but we lost the location of the um, cemetery. And that happened a lot back then, too. There were people buried and houses are built. They had a, maybe a wooden marker, and the wooden marker's long gone. And unless, you know, back then, Property deeds and sales were all done by hand. Who knows, you know? Were there any, I mean, outside of people dying young, and that's a tragedy, you know, babies, A lot children of children dying. died young. Wow. Infant mortality was very high in those days. Were there any murders or suicides on the property? Maybe. Okay. <laughs> I that's asked, part of my tour, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Well, this is, this is a, an annex of your tour. This is a wonderful interview. People are going to get to hear all over the world because it's accessible on Spotify and all these other places. So they'll get, you know, people that might want to come here one day would definitely use that as an incentive. So for whatever you're going to tell them. But I understand, like, keeping some for the tour. But my, what leaves an impression? This is someone's home. Getting back into the head of somebody who lived at that time. Mm -hmm. Okay? Life is here, mostly. They, there was no internet, there was no television, they didn't travel too much. The enti their entire world was here. Do you think it's older houses like this that retain spirits more so? Energy, it retains the energy. Objects, houses, that sort of thing, they all retain energy. And when you have a house that's over 150 years old, Think of all the people that lived in it, the, the comings, the goings, the births, the deaths, the happy, the ha sad. All of this is in layers of energy. 
that's what spirit is, is energy. Is a spirit, and again, like, you know, it's so funny because like all of this time we've had, even back to biblical times, we've seen spirits as a very um, loosely defined thing. Mm-hmm. It's the energy that, ex- yeah, what, what is it? And so when these spirits are here and, ha- and you've experienced them here, and people have claimed to have seen them here too, correct? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Are they wearing the dress and, and, and the way they used to dress, the way they used right. to do their hair? It's period. So you everything know? is period the way you see them. Right. It's almost like they're caught in some other dimension in time. Exactly, exactly. And if, if they died tragically or before their time or violently, um, especially soldiers, that sort of thing, um, they're still there because they're trying to resolve this. They need, they need to fix it so that they can move on. And I'm sure there have been so many, uh, especially the paranormal investigators, the independent ones that come here and record and try to do EVPs, which We've, I would like to we try. We have hosted once. over 80 different investigation teams over the last 20 years. 80. And most of them were willing to certify as haunted because they got so much evidence. I know Jesse has gotten quite oh. a bit of... <laughs> Jesse's my number one guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's got some good stuff. I, you know, um... And I smooth-talked him right into volunteering here. He was one of my best customers you know, to, to booking. And uh, he just fell in love with the, the museum. And I talked him right into volunteering with us. So. Yeah, he, I mean, he does the live recordings here. I'll get to that. I just um, There's so much I want to talk to you about just in terms of your perspective on the afterlife. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about it. It could be people, their spirits or their, their energy trapped in another dimension because they're still retaining their own characteristics. and They're they, just people. And, and maybe they don't have a physical body anymore, but they're the same people, which I tell people this all the time. If they were cranky in life, guess what? They're cranky in death because that's who they are. So in that case, let's say there's a, a horrible person in life, a murderer, a serial killer. Mean guy. Yeah. yeah. Their ghost essentially could be inside a house and cause a lot of Wreak trouble. Wreak havoc. Yeah. Yes. Now, has, the, has there been any kind of aggressive spirit or negative spirit in this house? Aggressive, yes. Cranky, yes. Um, I call him Mr. Nasty. He's up in the attic. He's with the, with the uh, trunk. And he's just mad that his trunk is here because it's not where he left it when he died 100 years ago. He just doesn't realize it's been 100 years. And, you know, somebody thought enough of the trunk to bring it here so it was preserved. It could have ended up in the dump somewhere as far as we know, you know. And so- but he's mad about it. And, and I personally feel that in life he was an alcoholic. He was an actor. He traveled a lot. That trunk was his home. That was his world. And like I said, he's mad because it's here. Uh, And we have captured him countless times on EVPs. You know what those are. Yeah, and I would like to try an EVP on this episode. If we're recording here, so I wonder 
If we if had they tried weren't one. talk, they're already talking, yeah. and you just don't know it. I'll give the audience a chance to download the episode, and they can split up those silent parts that we'll try if we give it a shot. You know, at, at one point during this. And people have recorded me doing the tour, the walkthrough portion of the uh, session. And as I'm speaking, especially here in the parlor, you hear a little girl's voice, and she goes, "And now we're going to play a game," and you can hear her clear as a bell. On the EVP, yeah. On the EVP, and not one person heard her. Wow. But it happened right here as, as I was speaking. So back to Mr. Nasty for a second. Yeah. Can you tell me, can you take me back to the time that you had an experience oh. with him? And, okay. and if you could start, <laughs> you were by yourself that day? No, uh, actually we were setting up for the haunted house and we were getting props and, and you know decorating the rooms and so forth. And I was in a closet in the, what was the military room back then, and I was getting props. Well, someone slapped me across the face. And I'm in a closet by myself, and I hollered. It was my instant reaction. I'm yelling into thin, thin air, uh, that was not appropriate. You're not allowed to hit me. Don't ever do that again. And I came out of the closet, and two volunteers were decorating right around the corner. Weren't, you were scared, weren't you? I was startled, and I was angry. Don't do that. You don't. You're not you're, allowed to you're touch me. You're pretty tough, Bonnie, because most people would have ran out of this house immediately <laughs> and never. To well, I walked again. out, and these two volunteers were decorating in the kitchen, and they looked at me and said, "You got a handprint on the side of your face." I said, "Yeah." Well, somebody just slapped me in the in the uh, closet. Well, the thing is. This house is their, their home, and they put up with a lot of fundraising because they understand that we have to keep the doors open and preserve this house. But the haunted house is an insult, okay? We're making fun of them. So they Do you believe that's how they feel when, when oh, the haunted yeah, house? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, so just for the audience at home, the May Stringer house, I'm looking at the audience, the proverbial audience, but um, the May Stringer house is not only a museum, and it has a wonderful historic value and many ghosts within its walls, but in the month of the glorious month of October that we're celebrating right now, uh, the, tell me about what they do to, to May Stringer for Halloween. We convert the inside of this house. We pack up all the artifacts so they don't get damaged, <coughs> and. We convert each room of the house into a hairy, scary scenario, and each room is different, and they change every year, every room does. And it's, this, it's, it's really hairy, scary to the point where we uh, suggest that children under the age of eight don't go through. It's really a grown-up haunted house. It's I went through it. Scary. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. So... It's, it's an insult to them, you know, and we begin apologizing on the 1st of October. We say, it's coming. I'm so sorry because we have to do this to you once again. But so, it's a huge fundraiser On the us. very first Haunted House fundraiser, did you experience or did other people experience any negativity that made you apologize for it? Or did it start off that way? Well, the Haunted House was started before my time. And it was just a couple of rooms. They would, they would come in the front door, do the parlor, the dining room, then get filtered through the doctor's office and back out again. So it was very rudimentary back then. And it grew from there and it got larger and larger and more and more rooms were involved. 
by the time I came on board in 2001, it, they had been doing this for 20 years. Wow. Yeah. Um, and it was the whole house, all three stories. And it was in, on each floor we had what we called a safe room. And we put, packed all the precious artifacts into the safe room and, so that they didn't get destroyed. And just to give you an idea, we are so popular here locally that we have between 1,500 and 2,000 people go through this house in two weekends. It's huge. I think I was here last year on, on Halloween. No, and there are 100 people in line at all times. Yeah. Oh, no, all I have that all documented line. for the show. Yeah. But in, it's wonderful like that this is actually a haunted house. Yet what it's better so, place? Right. It's, <laughs> it's also celebrated on Halloween. Absolutely. Can you tell me about some of the stories that other people have told you that they've experienced here as well? And, and if they've encountered sadness, um, aggression from Mr. Cranky, stuff um, like that. Seen, have they seen apparitions? I'm sure you've heard Probably the only really violent one uh, was actually Jesse. Back before he was a volunteer here, um, he was here with a group. You know, they had booked a late night investigation and he came down from the attic and he had scratches. Wow. Um, we had an incident with the cradle upstairs with the baby doll that's so old and so precious and we're, no one's supposed to ever touch it. And uh, the people that came on that session, I had to leave for a few minutes and go pick up my daughter at the skating rink and, I, and by the time I came back, all hell had broken loose in the house. And my partner, they had talked her into picking up the baby out of the cradle. And that's when everything went crazy. And she put the baby back down, she started crying, and her son could hear her crying upstairs, so he started up this, the front staircase and something kicked him in the chest and threw him off the stairs. And when I got here, he's laying at the bottom of the stairs and this kid was six feet tall and weighed 280 pounds. He was a football player. And I said, what happened? And he pulled his shirt up and there was a footprint on his sternum. Now, what do you think did that? Because it seems like the house itself is very conducive to activity. You know, we have a guest here right now who experienced something earlier, mm -hmm. um, it, it seems to be a conduit for that. Now, do you think all of the ghosts that have been experienced here are the only spirits here, or is there another doorway where other things can come right. through? And I, I, I take it all into consideration. Exactly. And I've been told several times over the years that the May Stringer House is like Grand Central Station for spirit. They're coming, they're going constantly. and. It's not the same ones all the time. Now there are some that are, uh, I call it grounded. It doesn't mean they're stuck. I, it's just they prefer to be here. Either they're attached to the house or to an object in the house. And there are about nine of them. The rest are just coming and going. This is just a really cool place to, to land, I guess. I don't, I, don't, I don't have an explanation for it. Sure. But uh, I can tell you that there are areas of this house that are what we call hot spots. And there are three in particular that... 
Or, uh, and, and what and what are those in general? Tell, tell me about uh, the those. The military different... exhibit. Okay, and I've been now, there. A lot of those soldiers died in combat. They died violently. They died young before their time. So if there was ever any sadness or residual upset, it would be there. The attic. The attic is number one. You know? So this is interesting. So. So you have, the, there's so many artifacts in here, as you say. 10,000. And the trunk seems to inspire the, the mean ghost here. The mean well, spirit. that's his trunk. That's his. Right. So I wonder if there are a lot of other spirits attached to other things that exactly. are in this exactly. house. That's exactly. Really, there's so much energy in here. Stop and think about how much energy is, is just floating around in here. Sometimes when we have a medium come, they... A lot of groups like to bring a medium to get readings on the house. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them will, will start reading before they even get here. They just can feel this place. That's, that's how, oh. Oh, it's okay, no okay. Um, anyway, they, some of them, when you open that front door, they can't come inside. They have to go back out and they have to put some shields up. That's what they call them. Sure. Because the stuff is coming at them like gangbusters. Spirit, people, objects, stuff. It's just overwhelming. So there has been some, what, what is defined as poltergeist activity. Have you seen oh. items move, fall? Well, early days again. It was less than a, maybe six months into my time here. No, no ghost tours yet, no, no ghost hunters. Um, I was doing a day tour in the dining room and on the sideboard at the time was an exhibit of antique cups and saucers. So I'm doing the day tour, which is about architecture and history and so on and so forth. And all of a sudden, all the teacups are dancing. They're just rattling back and forth on the sideboard. Well, I didn't know what to do and I wasn't familiar, but here, here we go again, something's going on that I'm not, I'm not ready to deal with. So I looked at my guests and um, they were looking at me and they're looking, looking at and the they cup. They didn't know the where to focus. Thing. And all of a sudden one teacup came up in the air about eight inches, flipped over and came back down on the saucer. And I was done. And how many witnesses were here to there see There were six this? people in wow. the group. So all six people, everyone Everybody saw, saw, yourself, it. saw yeah. the same thing. So I looked at my group and I said, uh, shall we move on? <laughs> and I, I have to hand it to them. They, they went on the tour after this little exhibition. And uh, so they said, okay. And we had something happen in every single room of the house that, that group that day. And I don't know if it was me or somebody in the group, but somebody was triggering paranormal activity over and over and over. Things were falling on the floor. Um, it was just, it was crazy.
Michael? Halloween. I spent eight years trying to reach him, and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. <laughs> Again, it just seemed too convenient for the, the situation. It had to have been something else. When spirits, when someone comes to the museum that spirit doesn't like, they instantly get their guard up. And we had a young man, he was a, he was a soldier on leave, uh, very nice young man, but starting right at the beginning, um, as he was exiting the military room, there were two flags on standards, mm -hmm. and the two flags went like this and barred his way. Wow. And he looked at me and he says, I didn't touch those. I said, no, it's, it's fine. We, we stood him back up. He came all the way out here. By then, he was pretty freaked out. He didn't know if he wanted to go on anymore at the ghost store. And he came and stood here in the parlor, and that curtain rod went flying off the window and just missed him. No wind. He says, I think I better go. I said, I think so, too, because we're going to get some damage here. <laughs> wow. Yeah, There was something about him. They didn't like him. They didn't want him here. Um, and that's not the first time that's happened. I've seen things fly right across the room. Um, somebody came through the front door, and they were part of an investigation group. And this, they were newbies. They had never done it before. The, the, the first place you investigate should not be the May Stringer house, okay? One of the most haunted locations around. And um, they come on the porch, and I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. And uh, the other tour guide and I were just sitting here. In the... So they open the front door, and the leader of the group, another gigantic guy, he walks in. And between me and my partner, this plaque that was on the wall came flying across the room and landed on the staircase right here in the entryway. And he looks at it, and he looks at me, and he goes, why do you think that happened? And I, I gave him a completely straight face, and I said, they don't like you. I mean, is it, is it as simple so as that? Do you, do you think that's what it is? Do you think just they like were we're... They were reacting. Just know? like, yeah, just like we're sitting here, and I'm if writing a, a fiction story If somebody came to your house you don't like, this. what are you going to do? Scare them away. That's right. So that's, a, it's a, that's the simplest explanation. So 
give them a hard time and hopefully they'll just go away. Sure. And it seems like those, those more simple explanations is that they retain. So in other words, you believe, and we have to talk on belief because what we know is, right. I believe it too. I believe that we retain consciousness, uh, our intelligence. And so if this was your home or you're attached to this home and you have all these strange people coming in, I'd probably try and scare them. You know, I try and scare them away. And, and when you have screaming tourists running through during the haunted house, that is the ultimate insult. Right. And that was my next question. So during the actual haunted house, has anyone been attacked? Has anyone experienced anything? That's all these the years? funny part of this. They resent it. It's an insult to them. Mm -hmm. And they retaliate. But they only retaliate against the volunteers that are doing the haunted house, not, not the guests. So they only go after the volunteers. When they're setting up or when the haunted house is happening? When it's, well, when they set up, um, a couple of volunteers came in the front door and said, this place is making me want to throw up. I can't, I can't handle coming in here. And they had turned around and went away. They couldn't help with the setup at all. Um, several occasions. <laughs> um, and I don't want to talk about too many of them because they're on my tour. <laughs> no, I understand. <laughs> but Oops. we've had objects moving. Um, they go after the volunteers. They're, they're mad at us for doing this to their house. We've desecrated it. We've turned it into a three-ring circus. But it's the biggest fundraiser for our association, you know. And we, sure. we have to do it. So we apologize a lot, and we pay the price, and that's that. You know, it would be amazing. I had um, Robin Wind, trance medium. She would be great. She's in Orlando, but I had her for a scene at the, my brother's house where we did a seance. But it would be interesting to see what, how she would react here because the spirit that's trapped in my brother's house allegedly spoke through her that day. And I'm curious as if you could actually hear their voice, you know, hear what they have to say and converse with them. Now the only thing that we do have that seems to be quite effective that Jesse and other people have had results is the EVPs, elect yes. electronic That's voice phenomenon. That's the most phenomenon. prevalent evidence that they get. I want to try it. Is that okay? Yeah. Can I have you conduct the EVP and I'll shut my mouth and... We'll... Well, I don't do well with the EVPs, okay. so you do it. All right, I'll try something. So let's see, what should I ask the, the spirits? And this is for the audience at home who wants to download the show. You can all dissect this right now and see if you hear anything. We're doing the, uh, the typical, and you can see it on all the ghost hunting shows. Is anyone with us? Uh, can you make yourself known? Can you make a noise? I'll try. I'll try to be a little more creative. So uh, okay. So folks listening to Off to the Witch right now, we're gonna. I will. I'm gonna thank the the spirits first. Okay, so we're going to do an EVP. This is our Halloween special, and I want to see if we can get something uh, on record here. Maybe there's a spirit that'll talk to us. So, we're here in the May Stringer house, and um, I am so grateful to have been able to shoot uh, my new documentary here. And I, uh, maybe that's because, uh, maybe the reason why I've never experienced anything negative here at all is because they know that I'm very grateful to be here. So I, number one, I want to thank you, uh, whoever's listening, for allowing me to come here without any problems and photograph and, and record and document this new show. But 
for that another reason that you've been able to uh, show yourselves to other people here and there. Uh, perhaps you can give me a, a gift today and answer a couple of questions. Um, so I guess my first question would be to, to speak to what Bonnie has been telling me throughout this interview. Are you at all angry at some of the events at this house? Are you angry that the events are conducted or there are tours in this home? Okay, well, I gave a moment of silence, you know. Um, how many spirits are in this house? And I guess if, if there is one in particular or anyone that wants to speak up, can you tell me your name? What is your name? And another question I have is, how old are you? How old are you? What is your age? And I don't know how long the answers are. Are they usually one word answers for EVPs? They're okay. It takes a lot of energy for them right. to do that. So I'll ask this way. Are you trapped here? Are you trapped in this house? Are you happy in this house? And uh, I don't know, uh, thank you very much and I want to wish you a happy Halloween. <laughs> Not. <laughs> I guess that, you know, yeah, Halloween wasn't really celebrated in the States until the 30s, right? Or the 20s? It wasn't heavily it was celebrated. It all Hallow's Eve. Right. So it was more of a, a holy day, right? Well, after the Salem witch trials, they uh, kind of backed off on yeah. some of this stuff. <laughs> but you enjoy Halloween, of course, right? No, not well, you particularly. Don't. Growing up, um, I grew up in the country in Vermont. Mm -hmm. And so the big deal was I wanted to win the costume contest at the town hall. And get as much candy as I could. Um, but that was, that was how I viewed Halloween. I was not involved in any of the witch stuff or anything like sure. that. Sure, well, you are now. Yeah, you, yeah. You, yeah. You are uh, in one of the most haunted houses in the world, I suppose, right? Well, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. <laughs> and so, go, go, to speak to that again, you know, I grew up with all of these movies, ghost stories. Um, What's the difference between that portrayal and ghost, the ghost story you're living, the, the, the home that you visit just about every day? Is there a huge difference between the way those things are portrayed and, and, and being here? Those things are, be, you mean like horror movies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I don't watch them at all. That's, to me, that's utter nonsense. I, I don't. I saw The Exorcist when I was a kid, and it scared the bejesus out of me. And I said, "Okay, that's it. I'm I'm not doing that." Yeah. 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 But um, as far as 
Halloween one through six and Nightmare on Elm Street one through five and so on and so on. No, I don't watch any of that. No. Mm -hmm. What about some of the ghost stories? Like um, I know there was one with George C. Scott in uh, 1981, The Changeling. His family gets killed in a, in a car accident uh, while well, they're in a phone booth making a call. A truck hits it, kills his, his wife and his daughter, young daughter. And then he ends up, he's a writer, I believe, or a composer, ends up in a big old home like this. And it's haunted by a little boy named Joseph. And sometimes those stories are very similar, yet what he's hearing, he's a little more tormented by the sounds, banging. He, he, he sees a ball come out of nowhere and come across. There have been things that, yeah. Okay, can you tell me a bit about that? Because I'm just juxtaposing some of the movies I've seen have been very accurate to some of the later stories or, that I've read or, or historical ghost stories. And there were early days of ghost hunting. Um, I think it's Hans Holzer. He was a very famous ghost hunter and he documented all kinds of activity. And I think that a lot of these screenwriters come up, you know, they're using some of this material. Of course, of course. To uh, do their movies. Um, That's okay. You know, I had mentioned like that movie. There was another one. Oh, the one in the Stanley Hotel. Oh, yeah, uh, The Shining. Yeah, yeah. here's Johnny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like Jack Nicholson, so I watched the movie. Well, I was sorry I watched it, but, uh, you know. Um, that is such a good The retaliation factor is, is overboard, as far See, as I'm concerned. The, in, this, in the Stephen King story, that hotel had ghosts of, like, the meanest gangsters, right. murderers. Right, it had you a lot of, of bad juju yeah. going around. And I wonder, so do... I wonder if May Stringer's energy would be quite different if there were some really bad people that existed here. There were, there probably were bad people, and and I'm not naming any names, but um, because the the descendants of these early settlers still live here in Brooksville, so, um, but not everybody was an angel. Let me tell you that, as as well as, uh, plus, this house. Um, belonged to a slave owner. You know, it was built by slaves. And were slaves buried on the property? I don't know. Okay. We don't have any evidence, but... Because um, usually in the case of that, there's a more of a nefarious vibe to the house because um, a lot of the times the graves were disregarded or built over like in the Black Hope haunting in Texas and outside of Houston. That's, I mean, people are dropping dead. Humans are just like, it's just so overrun because they just disregarded the cemetery and built the, just like an Indian burial ground. Or right, a native, a native they desecrated the graves. Right. But yeah. in this case, you don't feel it. Have, has there ever been a day where you were just like, I need to get out of here? Was it ever really overwhelming? Maybe uh, that day you got hit? Only once, and it, it, it wasn't for my own sake, it was for a grandchild I had with me. Um, Amongst all my other things I do, I'm the cleaning lady here. Mm -hmm. And I was actually wiping down the staircase in the back, the uh, original staircase from the 1856 house. And my granddaughter, who was only eight years old at the time, was standing at the bottom of the stairs. And I was working my way out. And halfway down the staircase, this thing got me in the face, and it was the most god-awful smell. I have never smelled anything so awful in my life. And I couldn't breathe. So I backed away from it, and that was okay. 
then I went back up and there it was. It was like it was just a barrier right there. So um, I talked to my granddaughter. I said, Christy, do you smell that? And she said, I don't smell anything. And uh, I said, okay, well, you know what? We're all done for today and we're just gonna pack it up and we're gonna go home now. So, you were so for her sake, yeah. whatever I was facing, this was not the time or the place to do that. So I put away my cleaning stuff and we got in my car and we drove back to my house. And I'm sitting there with my granddaughter and my daughter and it hit me at my house. Oh, wow. And I was, I was irate. For the second time, I got really angry. I've been angry a few times, but yeah, that's neither here nor there. And it got me in the face again. And my granddaughter's on one side of me and my daughter's on the other and they can't smell it. This thing was after me. So I started screaming at it and I said, you get out of my house. You are not invited. You are not welcome. You need to get your ass back to, that, <laughs> to the May Stringer house and you stay there. And it went. It left. I had something follow me to it when I was 14 and it happened in a friend's house and then it happened again at my parents and I was, had never heard it again after that, but it, whatever it was followed me, it was a whispering. Yeah. And people will call me after a ghost tour and say, oh, I got somebody walking up and down the hall in my house, you know, you need to come get it. No, <laughs> you should have thought of that when you came for a ghost tour, okay? <laughs> like in Disney's Haunted House, the reference picking up hitchhikers, you know, it happens. Right, exactly. Wow. And if you don't tell them to stay here, and I always, especially the late night, I say, you get in a group and you do a group prayer and you say, spirits need to stay here before you even get in your car because they will come home with you just for the, for the fun of it, you know, and they just want to go somewhere else for a while. And what do you think that is? I mean, because I'll get to the, the last well, segment of this. Wouldn't you be bored if you spent infinity just hanging out? <laughs> I'm writing a fictional story like this where a few spirits are trapped in a home and, and some of it's very funny, some of it's very scary. It's funny where they get together and they're like, well, we're bored, let's do some, let's have let's, some fun. Yeah. Let's, let's uh, create a little mayhem here. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, um, I suppose I would. I mean, if I, if I self-realized I was a spirit and I was trapped in a house and I could see other spirits, I'd be like, why don't we have some fun with these people? Do you think that's ever the case here? Because some, oh, some... yeah, and, and the tourists that come in, they're rookies, they don't, they don't get it. And they think this is just a lark. Well, it is a lark until one of them comes home with you. Then uh, you don't know what to do with it. So uh, they, they'll, they'll focus on one person and a whole group of people and, and just start having fun with them. Like or throw flags at them and, and <laughs> drop curtain rods and, you know, throw things. It seems like the, the spirits will always be here because they're not leaving. It's, it's their prerogative to be here and, like I said, they choose to be here, so... Well, we're all, and again, like, you know, my, my final question usually to a guest in my show is, um, number one, I, before I do that, I just want to say, like, you, you believe May Stringer House will go on as and, and only keep going with this tradition. It's, it seems like so this tradition is going to go on and on for many years until... Let us hope so. Yeah, it mm -hmm. seems that way. And now, I, I interviewed you before, 
and I, I'm aware of some of your spiritual beliefs, but for this new audience um, uh, that's hearing you for the first time, I ask every guest the same thing on the way out. If you believe and you could retain your consciousness uh, after physical death, what would you take with you? And there's no answer that's wrong. Um, it could be anything. It could be memories. But what would you take with you on your way out of here? Love of family. That's the most important thing in the universe. And I have a big family, and we all love each other very much, and we're very close, and I would always have that with me. Thank you so much. Oh, and would you, uh, would you haunt May Stringerhead? I would like to. Uh, I tell people, after I'm gone and you want to talk to me, come over to the main string or I'm probably hanging out. <laughs> Welcome back to Off to the Witch. I'm your host, Christopher Garitano, and I hope you enjoyed our visit to the Haunted Mansion. There will certainly be more Out of the Lab episodes in the future. Also, look for the sneak preview premiering on Halloween night of the first chapter of our Off to the Witch Presents docuseries, A Haunting We Will Go. If you have a tendency to get the Halloween blues like I do, don't forget that every night is Halloween for Off to the Witch. So join us every week to keep the blues away until next year. Have a happy Halloween, and until our forthcoming chapter, try to enjoy the daylight. <laughs>